actually went to a tribe that hadn't really had much interaction with the Western society. And he walked into the village and he saw there were no walls anywhere. And he said, why do you guys not have any walls? And the villagers said, it's to keep us safe. Why do you have walls? And they said, to keep us safe, because they were not hidden behind those walls. But in that same tribe, that chieftain turned to him and he said, why do your woman not get your men to stop? The woman in our tribe, they stop us from taking too much. They stop us from over hunting or over farming an area. They, because they're paying attention to all things all the time, they know when the right time is to pull back. Whereas the men, the masculine is going singular focus, we're going to take it till it's done. And so the feminine comes in and holds that space and pulls them back to be able to keep us from destroying the world. Your lifelong passions, dreams, and aspirations, your joys and creative spurs, your femininity, your success, all in one place. This is Girl Skill with your host, Anna Rova. Hi, Girl Skill listeners. Today I come to you with an amazing podcast, as usual. My guest name is Garth Bruin, and I actually met, you'll hear the story of how we met, but we met randomly on a beach in Sydney, which I found incredible. And we talked on the podcast because we do similar work. So Garth Bruin is the founder of Voyage Men, and his tagline is, find the man you are so you can be the man you are. <laughs> Own your masculinity. Find the joy of being a man again. Own your masculinity. Understand the feminine. Become the provider. I love this. And I love Garth's work. And he's so passionate about rites of passages and guiding primarily boys um, and men into their own uh, manhood, so to say. And that's what we speak about today. I didn't expect this because obviously I don't know Garth pretty well, but he just right of the bat, uh, you know, when I, we started talking about it all, he told us how he was celibate for one year. So I asked him, why did he decide to do that? And what were his learnings and his revelations from that? So that was really, really interesting. Then we move on to talking to what what does Garth find attractive in a woman, which is really interesting because it's all about the experiences and the vision he wants to create for him and for his uh, relationship and family. We talk about what is masculinity? And he asked this question, well, what does a woman need a man? for today and then we talked about how the man holds the space i really like the metaphor of the house that he provides so make sure you listen for that and then we dive into you know rites of passages why are they important what are they first of all why are they important and how before uh you know thousands of years ago even hundreds of years ago men were going through different rites of passages with one big challenge and so how do these rites of passages look in today's western society and how can we take boys in into manhood and why is that important so that boys and men feel supported and know how to support and love and, and be loved. So it's really, really important. And then we end up in a conversation, what is manhood today? And although we don't have all the answers, but, you know, the drivers of masculinity or drivers as you as a man. So Garth walks us through those as well. So stay until the end because Garth shares a really, really powerful story. I absolutely loved it at the end about women and men in tribes. And there's lots of wisdom in there. And of course, he'll tell you all about how you can find more about him at the end of the episode. All right, enjoy, and I'll see you at the end. Girl Skill, female success redefined. Hi, Girl Skill listeners. Today, I have a very interesting man on the show. His name is Garth Bruin. I hope I pronounced your uh, last name right, Garth. How are you? Welcome. I'm great. Thank you, Anna. I'm so good. So very good. <laughs> Oh, amazing. Garth, let's start with uh, the story of how we met. I'd like for you to actually tell our listeners, because <laughs> I find it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so we, I was on the beach, I was sitting there, lying down, minding my own business, reading a book called Sapiens. If you haven't read it, it's a great book, and check it out. And I was sitting there, and I just started chatting with Anna's husband. We just started talking about life and the book, and about, yeah, what we do, and where we're at, and then I Ask Anna the questions of what do you do? And yeah, she started to share with me the amazing story of how she impacts women's lives through this podcast and through her coaching. And I was just like, wow, that's amazing because I do it for men. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And from there it went on. And yeah, I've just been, you know, like, it's amazing how life turns out and how I meet different people who do similar work or different work and we end up, you know, on a podcast. And so, yeah, we were in Sydney uh, with my husband. We were on a holiday, actually, and we were on the beach with my baby Zoe. And yeah, that book, I just thought, you know, how just reading a book and you were just sitting there under a tree uh, reading Sapiens. And that's how we started the conversation. And so we are here today. And so, Garth, I, I really wanted to thank you. And, you know, in my research, I also, you know, realized and, and, and also got to know you a little bit better and the work that you do. And today, as I told you before, before we got on the interview, is that I'd really love to talk about the rites of passage because I know you are very passionate about it and you also do men's work and retreats and facilitation. But rites of passage is something that you really are an expert at. So I'd love for you to tell us more about this in a second because when I realized this and actually the problem that's happening today with men that go stems from the lack of rights of passages for men is is a big, big issue. So before we jump into that, I have some fun questions for you, Garth. So we're going to start with Garth. What, what do you find? Tra- is it Gareth or Garth? Garth. Garth. Yeah, okay. Garth. And by the way, Garth, <laughs> I think your beard is like a, a, a woman magnet. Because <laughs> I, I checked you out on Instagram and you're like, you're like the epitome of how a masculine man looked like in my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Before I met String, and String looked nothing like it, but I still fell in love with him because energetically he was my embodied masculine man. And so when I saw that picture of you and the beard, uh, how's that working for you? I bet it's very you know brings you lots of success with the ladies. Well, that's that's a whole another story actually because <laughs> my life yeah. is actually a big part of it is with the celibacy that I've been attuning into uh, over the past couple of years, and yeah, just understanding how that dynamic works for me, why I do choose a partner, whether the endorphins are involved behind that and why am I making the decisions that I'm making. So yeah, it's, I guess so. I just don't really pay as much attention anymore because I'm more about meeting somebody in the mindset of celibacy. Because if I'm celibate, then there's no intention behind the connection that I'm creating, which means that I can create a genuine connection without any other preconceived notions around what I want to create from that. And then I can see where that connection goes as connection is and then decide from there. Mm, that's really interesting. So you mean like <laughs> you're not actually celibate as in you're not having sex with anyone. You mean like you just approach interactions with women as in not thinking about sex when you see them? or So I did a year of celibacy. Um, so no sex for a year? No sex, no masturbation, um, no form of intimacy for a year. Wow. How? Wh- why? <laughs> why? And how was that like? Yeah, why is because I realized uh, that the pattern that I've been running, I had been using sexual interactions as a way to gain validation as I was your classic nice guy and a pleaser. And I found the greatest validation in that space when a woman would welcome me into into her and into that space. And I realized that why I was doing it was to gain validation from my father, from the people around me, and trying to connect with people. But I was actually doing it from a place of lack rather than a place of feeling great about it. So I decided to go a year with no sex, no masturbation, no nothing, to really discover myself, to honor myself, to learn to love myself for me rather than looking for that love of me through others' eyes. Wow. And so, my gosh, I imagine it would be hard. I mean, I imagine it would be hard for a woman as well, but I think for men, because you're constantly stimulated, like you get out of the <laughs> of the door and like you're reacting uh, to things, to, to, not to things, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> you're reacting to beings, uh, to women. I mean, if you're heterosexual, which I assume you are. So how was that like? And what did you discover in the process? Oh, man, this is, yeah, like this, I've done so much depth of looking into what this is for me. And it's a whole podcast of its own. But for me, I learned so much about where I gained validation from, why I was making those interactions. And when I'd walk out the door and there were woman that stimulated those endorphins inside me and I would feel attracted to them, instantly I would feel that I needed to act upon it. 
instantly I felt like I could see my mind going, how am I going to create a situation where we end up in bed together? And so yeah, it was, and that, because for me growing up, I remember looking back as a teenager, <laughs> my whole mindset on life was life is about, you know, having fun and having sex. Like sex was the number one thing that for me was about what life was about. And so seeing that and seeing the thoughts and seeing how every interaction that I had with in any situation was always themed around how do I meet a girl and how do I take a girl home? And so it was like, I didn't even realize these subconscious patterns that had been running for so long until I stepped back and I didn't allow myself to take that action upon it. And I would really look deep and discover why is it that I'm attracted to this person? What is it that I want to get from them? Uh, or what am I hoping to get out of this? And so, yeah, it was amazing. And on the end of the 12 months, for the first time in my life, I sat down and I made love to the only person that truly mattered, which was myself. And it was the most magical experience because I'd never sat with myself. Uh, and another part to the story is I didn't have an orgasm until I was 23 years old. So it was kind of the first time I'd really emotionally opened myself up to being able to experience the feeling of the sexual energy and the emotional experience of that. Wow. I love how you said I had that love with myself. And so, but I'm curious, how was the sex with a woman after a year of not having it? It was, and still from that time, I came out of that and I was still in the mindset of, I want to create deep connection. I don't want to just go out and have sex mm. with somebody for that sake. And I had a wonderful woman that I was building a relationship long distance overseas. And so we didn't see each other for a very long time. And we decided not to jump straight into that to build something around it. And then things went uh, awry in that situation, so to speak. We sort of decided that, that or I realized that I wasn't in a space to be able to open my heart at the moment because I've got so much focus on all the other things that I've got going on with the business, with the kids and with everything else. And my focus was really there. So I realized that I needed to come back to myself and hold that space for me. So yeah, it was mm -hmm. great when we did have that sexual interaction and was able to come into it from a place of love, from being full. So it's two full souls coming together and intertwining and expanding rather than one trying to suck energy from the other and get something. Mm, yeah. Wow. Beautiful. So this just happened not so long ago, right? Correct. Yeah. And so what mm. you're saying is like you're approaching celibacy, like you're approaching women from a place of celibacy. That's still going on. So are you are yeah. you able now to suppress? Because here's what I'm wondering, because you mentioned, and I know we're going to talk about this in the rites of passages probably, because you're, I mean, obviously you're right, you're a man, how would I know? But from my research and from my, you know, deep dive into what men go through when they hit puberty, and that's like my personal realization was, it was just such a profound aha moment. And I developed so much empathy for the masculine journey, so to say. And that's what so many women don't know about is that, it indeed becomes about girls and like everything that guys think about once they hit puberty and then they validate themselves or the worth through how many girls they can get and get laid with and so on and so on. So it becomes almost like a competition and, and that's the validation comes through. And so what I'm alluding to is like, oh gosh, what's my question here? My question <laughs> here is really about rites of passages and... No, he, here's what I wanted to say. Sorry, I got my, my thought back. So how do we do this without the also the kind of looking down upon it? Because I think the last thing we want to tell boys is that there's something wrong with you that you want to have sex and you want to pretty much, you know, fuck everything around. So how do we do it in a conscious way? Mm. Yeah. What do you think about that? Oh, huge. So this is, and this is a constantly evolving journey of discovery for me that I'm so interested in discovering even more about and learning more about through my own experience. But the way that I look at it now is something that I've really been focusing on is how do I allow and acknowledge and accept the sexual energy that's within me? Because if a woman stimulates that sexual energy inside me, it's not that she is creating that sexual energy. It's that it's my sexual energy and my sexual energy is okay. Because I found that 
when my sexual energy would come up, I would stuff it down and go, no, that's not okay. And I'd start to mm. get an erection and I'd go, oh, no, that's not okay. Or oh, what if she sees or what if something like that? And learning to really acknowledge that energy and go, oh, that feels good right now in the moment. I can, I can be present with that energy, feel that energy, hold that energy and know that I don't actually need to act upon that. I don't need to take any other action. It doesn't mean that now I need to have sex with this person. It doesn't mean that I'm not enough and that I'm only finding this through somebody else. Uh, my body's stimulating that for me. So allowing that energy to come up. And when that energy comes up and then I choose me and when I, every time I choose myself over letting that energy outside of me, that energy builds. I feel more worthy. I feel more alive. And I go, wow, now I can make a decision from a place of internal power. I can make that decision because I choose to, not because I got sucked into the moment. Mm. And so consciously doing this, I believe so much that it's especially around the space with sexual abuse and people taking advantage of people. I think it's a great lesson to learn for these young men that to own and hold that power for yourself is the most powerful thing that you can do rather than going out and chasing girls and trying to get as many as you can on your belt. So the other part was that my parents, my mother and father were amazing. They brought me out with amazing values, respecting women, honoring the relationship. And they had worked together from my mom was 16. My dad was 21. They had marriage for 28 years before divorce. But the thing was, as I was growing up, I would go and hang out with my dad and his friends and the talk was always around like, oh, look at that hot chick. Did you, you know, did you sleep mm. with that chick? Oh, and fuck her, blah, blah, blah. So for me, as a boy, when I had puberty and I had this all going on inside me, I was like, oh my God, to get validation from my dad and his friends to be a man, that's what I need to do. And yet deep down in my value system, it was so incongruent because I was taught to respect women and to, you know, really hold them in high esteem. And so I had this conflict that went on and Every time I would go and I was never very good at picking up chicks, quote unquote, because that wasn't what I love to do. I love to sit down and have some form of connection with somebody before we went into it. So yeah, there's so many layers to this part, but I think consciously mm. being able to do it for young boys, shifting into manhood is understanding that to hold that for yourself is the power, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, great. So let's talk about this. First, I want to ask you, Garth, what, like, wh okay, let's talk about women for a second because women are listening to this. And one of the first questions I ask all men on the show is, what do you find attractive in a woman? So I'd love to hear what, what you have to say. What do you find attractive in a woman that really keeps you going so that it, you know, takes you into the journey of intimacy and eventually when you decide to, to be together intimately? Ah, <sighs> this is something I'm discovering discovering as time goes forwards and seeing something I've really been learning is that how much of it is me choosing, how much of it, of it is my preconceived patterns, notions, and conditioning that's causing me to choose specific women, which is another part behind the celibacy, allowing me to step back and see that. So I'm uncovering that as time goes forwards. The thing that I shifted around asking for a partner in my life, I used to ask for specific things, specific qualities, and not to have other qualities. And I always got what I asked for, but it was never what I really wanted. And so now I've defined a life that I want to live, an experience of a relationship, an experience of how I want to live with somebody else, what we're doing, the conversations we're having, and the things that we're seeing in the world, the impact we're having, and then allow the universe and our unknown wisdom to bring me that experience rather than the woman that I think that I want. So it's a roundabout answer to your question, but I think for me, it's just discovering that as that comes up, not being attached to a specific defining thing of this is what attracts me. I do definitely find somebody who's impacting the world, somebody who really is showing up in life, you know, showing up with full joy, showing up caring for other people, showing up in a way that they look after themselves first and foremost. Yeah, it's just someone that really wants to create something in the world, a life worth living so that we can create that together. So for me, it's more about the vision of life rather than specific attributes or qualities. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And what's your biggest fear, Garth? My biggest fear is that I don't 
take the action that I need to take to be able to create the life that's possible. Mm, okay, beautiful. So let's talk about masculinity. What have you discovered through your own experience, obviously, and working with men? How would you define masculinity? This is something that, so for me, I like to think of masculine and feminine are energies and men and women are the being, the, the humans that are here. Because biologically, the masses of men and women have biological hormonal differences, so we show up differently. But I look at the energies that we have inside all of us as the masculine feminine. So, yeah, I guess, would you like to know more about how I see the masculine feminine energies as such or the man and woman side of it? Well, great question. So I agree with you on that sense, but I'm a big fan of David Data, which I, I know you know of. Um, mm-hmm. And we still... I mean, I'd be curious what you think about this. My position on this subject is that, and I truly see this in my clients and the women that I work with, that most women identify with the feminine essence and -hmm. that most men identify with the masculine essence. And so if you agree with that, then I'd love to hear from you. What do you feel like is that masculine essence in men? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Yeah, definitely for myself, it's been a journey of discovering that and the polarities and dropping between my masculine and my feminine and seeing how that played out in life was an interesting one. I believe that the core masculine inside a man, how that shows up is, yeah, very singular focus, direct, creating how I like to think of the masculine and the feminine in the most simple terms is the house that we live in is the masculine. The feminine is the flow, the beauty, the all the stuff that the masculine doesn't think about. The masculine's about creating a safe space for the feminine to flow, is how I conceptualize it in my head. And so the masculine inside the man, for me, how I define it for myself, is that I am here as a man to create a safe space for the feminine to flow. And how does that practically look like in life? I mean, obviously, it's a safe space. We understand that for the feminine to flow, but like, give us some examples Mm -hmm. where in relationships that would play out. So, for example, the way I think of it, I mean, in modern society and the the time we live in now, what does a woman need a man for? They don't need them for finances. They don't need them for the security as such. They can do pretty much everything they want on their own if they need to. Not saying they want to, but they might, they can do it. So then discovering what that looks like to be a man showing up in a relationship, I believe, is around when she's having a bad day, to be able to show up, turn up, stand there, and just listen, be present, not react, not try and change anything, but hold that safe container so that she's able to express herself. Things like if you're going out for dinner. You know, you want to surprise her is creating a night that's amazing, going out saying, we're going here, dress up nice, let's go out. This is the kind of stuff you're going to need to wear, but don't worry, I've got everything sorted. I'm going to take you out. We're going to go out for dinner and then create that, whether that goes out up a river on a rowboat and at the further up the river, you find that there is some picnic stuff hidden underneath the bush, pull all that out, set up a beautiful evening and then pluck a rose up out of the, out of the water that was just floating by coincidentally <laughs> coincidentally that might have happened in the past but <laughs> yeah uh-huh. so Beautiful. things like that i think that it's about being able to be that solid rock being able to even when things aren't going great being able to give that certainty to be able to say we'll make this work no matter what I'm going to create this. This is going to happen. And being able to give the certainty behind that by the way you show up in the relationship, Mm. not letting the relationship fall to pieces just because money's a little bit harder or just because you don't feel like you're providing in certain and other senses, make sure that you're still being a provider at home, providing something beautiful for them, that safe space where they can feel safe, where they can feel seen, where they can feel heard. I believe that, mm. that that's the practical side of it. And it's just a few Beautiful. Examples. I feel, Gareth, all the women listening are just like surrendering and, and letting go and just relaxing into your description of this because so many of us want it and a lot of us can't even say it, which is really sad. But this is where my podcast is and this is where my work uh, comes in <laughs> and mm. your work too. So, Gareth, <laughs> let's shift gears now and talk about uh, the rites of passages that we, we've mentioned in the beginning. So, 
what are the rites of passages? Why do we need them? And uh, how do you, well, I mean, there's loaded questions here, and how do you implement them, and, and why are they important? So to give, first of all, give a, I'd love to give a brief overview, yeah, what a rite of passage really mm-hmm. is. So to conceptualize this, if you imagine, even now it happens in the world today in different cultures around the world, but say you're in the plains of Africa, you're a child, you're growing up, and you have to be looked after by the tribe. Everyone has to care for you because you can't really care for yourself. So you've got the woman that you spend a lot of time with as a young boy, where you're going out gathering and getting the food and the fruit and everything else, and you're learning the dynamics of the tribe, but you're needy. You need everybody else to do things for you. You contribute to a certain extent, but you need everybody else to do stuff for you. And then when you reach of age, where you're old enough and you're strong enough, then the men will come and take you away from your mother, take you away from the tribe, and then take you out and assimilate you with the men. And the different rites of passages over time look very different in different cultures, but it's all essentially the same thing. You get one big challenge that comes up. It might be going out and killing a lion, which still happens today in Africa. And if you go out and if you can kill that lion and bring that back home, then it's pretty easy to see, isn't it? You are a man because you can go out and kill an animal and bring back food for the tribe. If you can kill a lion, then a buffalo is going to be easy. And therefore, it's easy to know that you're now going to be able to look after the tribe. And in that process, you realize and recognize that you are responsible for the tribe, that their life now depends on you being able to show up, being able to go out and hunt, being able to work and collaborate with the other men. Because if you don't collaborate with them, then you're not going to be able to get the meat. And so they have the big challenge as well. And as you overcome that challenge and you've overcome the biggest challenge that could ever be seen to kill a lion, what else could stop you in life? Now, in that context, it's very simple. It's pretty easy to know how you're valuable in the tribe because they, mm-hmm. all you have to do is care for the tribe. Go out, get food, bring it back. You're always with the tribe, so you kind of have to get along with the tribe to some extent other than killing everybody is the only other way out. And so you have to be with and around those people all the time. So you learn to deal with conflict better. You go out hunting. You learn how to work as a team together. And it's pretty simple life. Whereas now today, especially in Western society, it's so complex. Now you've got all these other things that you're not being challenged in. What about your relationships? What about in your social aspect? Your mental, your emotional, and your physical. The physical is something that guys love. We love to be challenged physically. It's something we can see the growth with. We can be tested on. We know that when we've overcome the challenge, we get an award or we get something back. Whereas in all these other areas in life, we don't get these challenges that are structured to show us you've overcome the challenge. Here's the medal. Here's the thing that tells you that you have now overcome the challenge and this is how you know why and this is how you now know how to deal with the situation. So hopefully that explains that part of the question. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And as you're telling us this, I'm thinking, you know, so today, men, right, Western society, you said relationship, social, physical. I actually never thought about this. I mean, I'm familiar with the concept of rites of passages and everything. But when you said it, when a little boy spends all his time with his mother, and then the first big challenge comes when he's kind of becoming a man, it just clicked for me that, oh, my God, before that moment, all his time he was spending with a woman with a mother mm-hmm. and not with other men, which is so true because, you know, when children are little, little, it's like you're with the mom, you're going like, even now, you know, little boys go to the bathroom with, with their mothers. And so when that transition happens, a lot of the time, it's just not there, but I'm sure you're going to talk about that transition in a second. So now that I'm thinking of today's men, you know, like in different areas of life. So you said physically, they're very challenged, but I'm thinking like even For example, you know, the success and material gains and, you know, work and business. I feel like maybe do you feel like this is this is a big challenge for men too? like I see them going and pushing and striving to, you know, succeed and achieve and make the money, you know, get the career, get the business, make the first million dollar. And in a way, like in the relationships, they also kind of have these challenges of getting the girls. And so I guess what I'm saying, and I'm curious what you're thinking here, or how are you going to continue this conversation is, 
perhaps the challenges are there, the rites of passages are there, but they're not the right ones that men have to go through in order to become, you know, embodied, conscious, healthy men. Hugely, yes. So the rite of passage is the transitional time. And for me, just add this little piece in to give some context as well, but when I started going on this journey of wanting to create this these rites of passage for young men, I realized how unfair it is for me to say, now you're a man, you must do what men do. But now I realize that what I do is I initiate boys into the transition to manhood because it may take them time, but now they have a clear understanding of what it is to be a man for themselves, what they're working towards and being able to decide when they want to step across that threshold and step into the next stage of being a man. But yes, with the challenges around work and around career and around all these other parts in life, it comes back to the simple thing that men love challenge. And the reason we love challenge is biologically, when we're challenged and we overcome a challenge that was actually pretty hard, like if it's not hard, we don't get the same effect. But if it's too far and we can't achieve it, we don't get the same effect either. But when we get just the right challenge, where it's challenging enough to really push us and we just overcome that challenge, we get this huge release of endorphins. Our adrenaline and cortisol drop and our natural testosterone reproduction happens. And then that cycle continues. And that's why men are always looking for that challenge, boys and men together, is that we're looking for that next thing that's going to give us that thing that we need to be able to survive, to be able to be the, the men that we want to be to be able to be masculine and to hold that space, to get that testosterone in our system in a healthy way, is to have a challenge that we can overcome. Hi, girlfriends. Sorry to interrupt uh, your listening to the episode, but I quickly wanted to jump in and let you know that I have prepared something exciting for you. If you're interested in polarity, femininity, and how to embrace your feminine and how to attract primarily masculine men in your life, this announcement is going to be very useful for you because I'm talking about my signature uh, training. Uh, I'm like, how do I describe this experience? Because it's really an experience, you know. This is a signature training, my one-hour webinar that I've put together. And it honestly, it's it's been through a few iterations in the last two years. But I feel like this is the best yet training of mine that didn't come from, you know, reading two books and three courses and like coming together in a copy-paste thing that I now advise women to do. No, this has come from me, my own lived experience through my dating life and through finding and attracting the masculine men of my dreams and then marrying him and creating a family. This also came, yes, indeed, from a lot of research and learning and courses and coaches and oh my God, you name it. You know, it's been a, it's been a journey of five years for me about that time. And also this has come from my clients. So the previous training, how is this different if you've signed up for another training of my which was the lie of female success, by the way. This is different because this is now coming through a distillation of my work one-on-one with women who I've helped get to that place where they're just attracting better men and they start attracting better masculine men and are on their way to actually to a relationship eventually. Not only masculine, but also masculine committed men. So if you are in a situation where you're attracting men that are less than desirable, let's say they're feminine men who don't want to lead, don't want to take charge, and men who are unavailable, then this training is for you. I will have to call all this training, how to start attracting your masculine committed men, basically in 30 days or less. And in this training, I will share with you some of the key things that I've learned throughout this journey that are helping. That's what my work with women is based on. So in this 60-minute training, you'll find the number one reason why you're still single and can't attract a committed masculine men. It's not what you think. How to break through the pantheons of attracting unavailable or feminine men, as I said, and find your blind spot so you can attract the men you want. How to master the feminine masculine polarity so you start feeling taken care of, claimed, and finally be able to let go of control and uncover the lie of female success that's keeping you stuck, exhausted, and unfulfilled, which means in masculine energy all the time. So you can start living in freedom and joy and much, much more. So if you're interested, go to girlskill.com slash web sign up and I can't wait for you to see this training and to let me know how it went and by the way there's no replays for this so make sure you select the time that you can show up and be fully present all right I'm gonna jump off and you continue listening to this episode 
Okay, so how do we do this then? I mean, not we, I guess. <laughs> what do these rituals, and, and I guess you're going to come to rituals, but rites of passages, and I read, by the way, I'm sure you know the book, The Magician's Lover, what is it? Lover, magician, warrior, and who else was there? <laughs> the, the fourth one. The king, right. So they talk about it there a lot, right? Um, mm. So so how do these rites of passages look like in modern life and, and for men? I think the biggest part behind it that I've realized is that it's an ongoing journey. And I'm sure you'd agree and correct me if I'm wrong, but as men and as women, we have different stages of our life that we go through and different points in our life. We need to let go of some things we had before and bring in new things and new ways of looking at the world, like your little beautiful little girl that you've now got. I'm sure you had to let go of some ways of being and then Mm -hmm. take her on board and create a new way to live. And so essentially, you've had a rite of passage because you've had to transition through that. You might not have had it in the context of a rite of passage, such as a wedding. A wedding is a rite of passage where you're taken out of your normal environment. You're given different clothing than you'd ever wear normally. And then you stand there and you're witnessed by everyone around you and congratulated for this decision that you've made, this commitment that you've made to take another step. And then all the old wise elders stand up and tell you some advice about your journey going forwards and then let you go out into the world on your own two feet. So that is already a rite of passage that's in our society. But again, another one that is slowly starting to disappear. And so how we do this now, how do we create this? I believe that the best way to do it is to bring boys and men together, to have the wise men around outside these young men, to give them, to hold the space for them, to be able to express themselves, for the wise men to stand up and share their vulnerabilities, to share the toughest things in their life, the shame that they held, the challenges that they had from not understanding what it was to be a man. And how that directed their life and paths that they didn't didn't really want to go down, but they ended up down there because they didn't have a really defined idea and ideology of what it means to be a man. So taking them out, practically how that looks, taking them out into the natural environment, out into the bush, and setting it up. We have a, a yurt, if you know what a yurt is, uh, mm-hmm. like a, a circular, big circular tent, and that's our meeting space. And that's where we come in. It's very simple and it feels very homely. It feels like you really are on a great adventure. Because as a boy, I always wanted to be on that great adventure that would challenge me and show me what I'm really made of. Save the maiden from distress. Be able to come home as this, as this great adventurer, as somebody who had overcome this amazing, amazing challenge in life. But I would know deep down what I'm really made of. And so... Mm. The week is structured around that. I ask myself, how can I create a seven-day process that challenges these boys in all those areas, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, and socially? How do we challenge them in those spaces in a structured way, give them that opportunity to have those challenges that they can then overcome, to then be able to have connection and joy with the people around them, learn to be supported by and support the people around them, And so I won't give too many of the details specifically with the exercise that we do because it's something that I love to keep as a surprise so that when they come in, there's no expectation and there's no trying to figure out what they're going to do during this challenge and the challenges are created. And then they have, the way I look at it is we do challenges which create insight and that insight then gets turned into wisdom by us sitting down, telling stories, discussing, and then being able to help them understand what they now know because they didn't know what they didn't know. Now they know what they didn't know, but then we go through the process of teaching them how they know what they now know. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a Boy Scouts experience in a way. Yeah, I actually haven't, I haven't actually looked into what the Boy Scouts do specifically ever in my life. And so it's something that I really should go and have a look at. Well, I mean, me neither. I've never been into one, but I've watched movies and things and it just uh, seems like, you know, they're in the bush. Obviously, they're kind of camping and they're going all these challenges and adventures of like, I guess, bugs and hunting and how to build a fire and things like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's uh, the more I hear, I 
listened to a podcast recently about the scouts and uh, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that sounds very, very similar to some of the things that I'm doing. But I think one of the things about my journey is I didn't want to go off what's already been created and defined previously. I wanted to really dig in deep first and find out what it is that I really feel is right and then go out and get all the knowledge that I can. And so now I've been starting to go to all these different events and starting to see how they're doing it now that I have the picture in my mind of what I want to create so that I'm coming in and I'm not then coming out of those experiences, looking at what I want to create through the lens of what's already been created, but through something entirely new so that we can create something that we might not have seen before, some new way of being able to help these boys transition because in New Zealand, we have one of the highest rates of youth suicide in the world, young men. So that's between the ages of 17 to 24 is the highest. And the second highest is men between the ages of 40 and 44, both times of transition, both times where they could really use some assistance and guidance, but nothing was there for them. And so trying to find a way that is different from what we've already had, because what we've already had up to this point hasn't been working. What we've had up till now has caused this problem. And I'm not saying that, the scouts or anything else have caused that problem. I believe that they have some great integrity and the guys that have been through that have are probably not the ones that are having these problems. Although from our total societal perspective, the problem seems to be getting worse the way that it's going. So we need some new ways of do, doing with these things and dealing with these issues. Mm-hmm. And so the, with the with the rites of passages, so I'm assuming that it's basically dads and their sons coming to these um, events, right? So depending on the events, so the next month I'm running a two-day men's event here in the Gold Coast, and that one there is the opportunity for the men to bring their sons with them, which is going to be fantastic. But then the boys' camps are focused on just the boys. This is to be created in a way that the family is there. You've got the support, the positive support that's there because if I just do it with only men that will bring their sons, then the ones that really need the help won't come because they are the ones that are not willing to open their eyes and come along to these things. So it's about creating an environment where we don't need the fathers to be there for them to have an impact on their life and how they see the world. But then ongoing in the long term, having that opportunity there for them to then come in and be able to have that parental guidance. And before as well, being able to have them so they understand when they come out of this, what they're going to be like or what they can expect from their sons and invite them along to the final day for them to acknowledge their son for coming through this big challenge. But not every father will come and not every father will support it. A lot of fathers will do the the same old thing, and this is very generally speaking, but it's going hard enough, or, oh, that's for pussies. Oh, that's for wusses. Who does that stuff talking about their emotions? Ah, Get over it, boy. You know, so those phrases, I've heard them so many times in so many families, uh, and I feel very blessed having been part of a family that was phenomenal, and then also going down a very dark path and ending up around families where they were in the gangs, I was associated with the gangs, meth addicts, and all manner of life that I've been and seen, the houses, how they speak to each other, and what's created on a very deep and intimate level, because I was there and part of it. And so seeing how those communications come across, it's about being able to create that support network where those boys feel supported, they feel loved, they feel that they've got people that they can express to. And when they're having a hard time with their family, when they go back into their normal environment and they start to drop back into those old habits and then they talk to their friend who's from a different environment and they say, oh man, this is going on, they can turn around and say, hey, That's actually not okay, the way that you're speaking right now. If you think about it, with the things that we learned on the rite of passage, did you actually take those home with you or are you dropping back in with everybody else? And it gives that opportunity for them to go, oh, wow, all right, thank you for telling me. And then they can continue moving forwards. Mm. And so, but I'm curious, so if dads are not there, for example, or even not supportive, how would you get these boys to come in? Uh, so through the what I'm working 
on at the moment is with New Zealand getting the funding from the rugby and bringing that in and doing it through with the rugby teams, taking them on a four-day before the season and then supporting them through it, showing the results difference that come with being well-integrated as a team, understanding themselves on a deeper level, and then being able to go through to the schools here in Australia and in New Zealand and being able to get the funding through that or the other one is to get the donations from people who believe in this cause and who really want to support this. Mm-hmm. I believe if there are those people out there, then we're definitely very happy and open to be able to bring in that funding for that. Mm-hmm. Well, another idea, and that's why you're here on the podcast, is to get in touch or make mothers listen. Because <laughs> I think mothers, you know, like really parenting Because I'm thinking it's it's the parents. And yeah, in a lot of families, this is not supportive. And if the men are not supportive, then some of the time or maybe a lot of the times the mothers would be inclined to send their sons to, you know, to be how to become men pretty much mm. if their husbands are not doing that for it. Or, or, you know, single moms. There's a lot of single moms out there and I know some of them are listening. So, And I've interviewed Warren Farrell who wrote The Boy Crisis. So he also mm. talks about these rites of passages and the need for mentors, uh, for, you know, men, male mentors to be in, in the boys' lives to do this. Wow, Garth, you're doing amazing work. I mean, this is truly, truly you know, being of service. And quick question here before we wrap up this conversation is you keep saying the word manhood and what it would be to become a man and what is that end kind of goal, I suppose. And I know it's an ongoing journey, so I got that part. But I'm curious, like, how do you then define manhood? You know, if, mm. if let's say in, in tribe, so we talked a little bit about masculinity and I know this is related, but when you talk about the tribe, you know, it was all about, well, now you're a man and you're responsible for the tribe and therefore, you know, you're valuable to, to the tribe because you can kill a, a lion and you have the skills and we can trust you. So what is manhood today? Mm. So this this is a question that I get asked a lot, especially in the space of the rite of passage. And the answer is that there are only questions. There are no answers right now. And I don't have any answers. I have answers for myself around that, but I usually don't share very much about it because I don't want to pre-frame it for anybody in this world. Who am I to say what a man is? Who am I to say that I know? I'm on that journey of discovery, but I'm here to support others in that journey of discovery as well by giving them the questions and the processes that help me to find my answers and to continuously discover my answers. But I think simply as a man in this world today, what is, what is it to be a man? I think that's for you to find out on your own. I think it's something that is extremely personable. Uh, we live in such a complex society where the rules aren't so simple anymore. Before, man, I, I've thought so many times, I'd love to go back and live in that time where it's so simple. It might be harder, yes, but it's so simple. You wake up, you go out, you get food, you bring it back, you celebrate together, you dance, you enjoy, and you connect with people around you. You're not thinking about all the million things going on. So I think in the specific context of every individual's life, it's for them to decide for themselves exactly what that looks like for them. All I can do is give the questions and the processes to discover that for themselves. Hmm. But then you still have, like when you when you bring in the wise men, right? Like we still mm-hmm. have to have some sort of a, you know, idea. And that's why for me, I also tell, you know, because I work with women and I also tell women like, you know, find your flavor of femininity, find your flavor of being a woman. But at the same time, I provide, I guess, some some certain guiding principles in terms of what feminine energy is. And, you know, a strong and independent woman is a woman who's happy and fulfilled and how she impacts, you know, her family and her community. And so, It's kind of like providing that structure and a guideline because people seem like people want to be look uh, towards something. You know, what am I going for if there's no answer? I mean, I know there's no answer and I I definitely don't (laughs) claim to have the answers, but at least that's why I asked you questions about masculine, feminine, at least the polarity dynamic and these energies, they provide the answers for me like as you said there's a house and then the woman fills it and so it kind of provides i guess a structure and a map 
a guiding map. Uh, obviously, you know, it's not black and white all the time, but at least if in if we take it into the context of relationships and families and roles, then I'm very clear on what role I want to be playing and therefore I'm playing it. And then my husband falls into his, let's say, masculine pole of that play field. So what, what do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. I think that there are there are the guidelines around it. I think more what I focus on sharing with them is the understanding of what the drivers are as a man, what those biological differences are, what you what you can expect in your life from those drivers and what you're going to be focused on and how you're going to see the world. And from that, then being able to create who you are because there are those biological differences. Mm-hmm. So what are those drivers, for example? For example, one of them, of course, is the the challenges, that that's how we operate is with the mm-hmm. challenge. And so then it's being able to explain to them and share with them the way we communicate, for example. You know, for a woman, when we sit down and come home after work, hey, honey, how was your day? And then you sit down, total presence with her. She speaks for 10 minutes. After 10 minutes, <laughs> well, I'm talking about, yeah, I'm talking about like, a very, very brief conversation. But, um, after, right. <laughs> but biologically, after 10 minutes, by her expressing where she's at without having anything back, but his presence there, she feels safe, her oxytocin levels rise and cortisol and adrenaline levels drop. For the man, if he does the exact same thing and expresses his emotions in the exact same way, then he will have a spike in cortisol, a spike in adrenaline, and a decrease in his natural testosterone reproduction. And so if he sits and holds that presence, that is the challenge. That is the challenge where he gets the benefit from. So now he can see, oh my God, this is great. I get something from this conversation, which is the challenge to be able to hold myself, to hold the presence, to hold the space. And then afterwards when she goes, ah, oh, thank you so much for listening, honey. He goes, oh my God, I'm a man. I'm like, you know, I feel so great. Look at me. And he gets to feel great about it. Other things, men love rules. We love rules to the game. You know, if we don't know the rules to the game, we have to guess them, then we just don't play the game. But if we get told the rules, and this is when I talk about the game or the rules, I'm talking about if we're on anything in general, but in the context of relationship, if it's sitting down and she says, if I say, for example, she looks upset and I walk up and I say to her, what's going on, honey? She goes, oh, nothing. I know that I've got to keep asking the questions, but the best response that she could give is, you know, I'm having a, having a really tough time. Or if she can't respond because she's so stuck in her head, and if I walk up and say, babe, what do you need right now? And she goes, I really need you to just hold me and tell me you love me. And then I walk up and I hold her with absolute presence and say, honey, I love you. And she goes, oh, that's just what I needed. And then I go, oh my God, yes. Oh, yes, I got I got a point. I feel good. I won. I won. This is awesome because she gave that to me, you know, instead of holding the rules and going, you have to decipher the rules. By giving him the rules, by giving the man the rules, he gets that opportunity to then play the game the way that you want it to be played and can actually win the game. Otherwise, he eventually probably just stopped playing the game. Hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, I write a lot about this, how women underestimate how much power they have actually to set the rules in the relationship and in, in the whole polarity play, because it's really, you know, when I look at history, it's, it's like the women are setting up the standard. The women are holding men to a certain standard. And the more society is kind of organized around that, the more you see men respecting women and so on. I mean, the more women respect themselves and hold their own boundaries, the more men will do the same, pretty much. Mm. And the more they won't let them be pigs and a bunch of assholes and everything, <laughs> uh, which we've seen in the last few years, the more, you know, men will step up and kind of wake up, slap in the face. Oh, shit, what am I doing? Like, this is not okay. So, mm. but they won't know unless the women will tell them. So, Garth, this was beautiful. Yeah, did you want to say something? I wanted to just chuck in there very quickly. There's, I um, can't remember exactly where I where I read it, but there was a gentleman who was doing some research and he went to a tribe that hadn't really had much interaction with the Western society. And he walked into the village and he saw there were no walls anywhere. And he said, why do you guys not have any walls? And the 
villagers said, it's to keep us safe. Why do you have walls? And they said, to keep us safe, because they were not hidden behind those walls. But in that same tribe, that chieftain turned to him and he said, why do your woman not get your men to stop? The woman in our tribe, they stop us from taking too much. They stop us from over hunting or over farming an area. They, because they're paying attention to all things all the time. They know when the right time is to pull back. Whereas the men, the masculine is going singular focus. We're going to take it till it's done. And so the feminine comes in and holds that space and pulls them back to be able to keep us from destroying the world. Mm, wow. That's profound, Garth. Mm. I'm like, you just, you just summed up everything. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, we could have just got on the call and like you could have said that story and we'd be done <laughs> pretty much <laughs> loved it garth awesome thank you so much for this conversation for the work you're doing and for your Thanks wisdom so and for for all the women so i know you work with men uh, not only in these retreats but you also do coaching with men um and you told me that a lot of women actually bring their men to you so for for all the women listening who want to know more about you and your work and follow you and hopefully you know if they have sons get their sons to you but p- perhaps their men as well although you know i'm a, of a kind of uh, opinion, I would say, uh, or guiding principle that women shouldn't tell their men what to do. And by working on themselves and trusting their men, everything will change. But still, if they have an inclination, where could they find you? So the best two places to find me, one is on Facebook, searching Voyage Men uh, Garth Bruin, or on Instagram, which is garth.bruin. And you can find me either of those places or, yeah, send me a message there or reach out happy to discuss whatever I can. Mm, Beautiful. All right, Garth, thank you so much and we'll Mm. keep in touch. Thank you so much for your time and I appreciate you so much. Such beautiful questions, such an amazing space. Thank you. All right, girlfriends, hope you enjoyed listening or watching to this episode. And if you did, and if you resonate with most of the things I'm saying and you want to learn more and you want to finally start attracting masculine men, I have an invitation for you. So as you know, I am committed and passionate about helping successful women attract and keep committed masculine men. So I have a personal invitation for you. If you're resonating with everything and you're ready to step up and invest in yourself and take things to the next level, I'd love, love, love to talk to you and see if you'd be a fit for my work and what I do. And so Basically, what I'm doing is I'm inviting you and it's a personal invitation If you, only if you resonate because I don't work for, with everyone and I'm not here to just, you know, make a quick buck and whatever. I'm here committed to your result and I will make sure that we go until the end and that we get you the result that you want, which is start attracting better men. So I invite you to sign up to actually apply for a free discovery call with me. It's a call that is one hour long. And what we do is we talk about your current situation, where you are today, and what's wrong, quote unquote, wrong with your dynamics with men, what you don't like. And then we're going to talk about what you really want and where you want to get. And at the end, if I find that that's a good fit, I'll tell you what I do and I'll offer you to join us and uh, how we could work together. So just to give you a bit of context, this, this experience is all about and what I'm going to offer to only if I find that that's a good fit is about number one, putting yourself in the best position to start attracting committed masculine men and not through tactics and techniques or tips, tricks, whatever, but just by being you and understanding and appreciating men, thus creating a deeper relationship with yourself as a feminine essence woman and attract better committed masculine men. Number two, it's all about letting go of overworking perfectionism and the need to control by overcoming your limiting beliefs, patterns, and obstacles to rediscover your worth and enoughness and rebuilding your faith in your own voice, in your own decisions, and exploring your boundaries and so on and so on. Number three, it's all about letting your body lead, stop overthinking, and start trusting your gut and your heart when it comes to making decisions, expanding and embracing your range of emotions, cultivating sense of awareness and pleasure and feeling more without apologizing for it. And I know if you're here, you understand and you know that the path to your masculine man who's a conscious 
conscious, healthy man is through you, is through embracing your feminine nature, is through running with the wolves and embracing your wild feminine side and actually gaining power from it. And a healthy masculine man will only be attracted to that if you get to that place yourself. And last but not least, it's all about becoming deeply connected to yourself as a woman. Understand what true femininity is, exploring deeper levels of intimacy, and finally becoming free, lighter, and open embracing basically the feminine side of polarity because again this is what your masculine man wants and it's all about stop living in the masculine energy by pushing doing and choosing all the time and start living enjoy freedom and your wild nature where you can surrender where you can finally let go trust me this is an amazing place to be and it's easy and joyful and it feels natural and feels like a woman so if you resonate go to girlskill.com apply and there's going to be a short survey step one just apply there and then the next step is to schedule a call with me it's going to be an hour we have fun on this call, so I hope to see you there. And my, my calendar is booked for another, I mean, booked. My calendar is open for another week. So go ahead and do that. If you don't see times that are available for you, make sure you email me because I'll always make time for you to make sure that you get your spot. All right, girlfriend, keep running with wolves and I'll see you next week with another episode of Girl Skill Podcast or my YouTube channel that I already have. Okay, bye! <laughs> Alright, Girl Skill listener, I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, as usual, I ask you to charge your karmic energy and give back to the podcast and to me, I'd very, very much appreciate it if you share this podcast episode with your girlfriend. So send her to girlskill.com slash 146 is where you'll find all the show notes and links to everything we mentioned as well and and uh, yeah, if you found this episode amazing, I'd love a review and rating on iTunes because that's also really, really helpful. And as usual, you can find me on Instagram, Wandrova, W-A-N-D-E-R-O-V-A. Um, come and say hello and tell me more about this episode and why you loved it. I'm also on Facebook and you can email me at Anna at girlskill.com. I'd love to hear from you. All right. Keep running with the wolves and I will see you next week or this week, maybe with another awesome episode of Girl Skill Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to Girl Skill. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher to never miss an episode. And never forget that your version of success is uniquely yours to live and experience. Until next time, let's continue redefining female success together. Girlskill.com. Female success redefined.